and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts. In Jesus' great name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. All right. You have a Bible this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a good look at God's Word. Wonderful things that are contained within the book. I'm turning to the book of Luke. Let's look at chapter 10. All right. Chapter 10, and the last verse of chapter 10 is verse 42. I want to focus in on a little something here. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. All right. We have been working on some things we talked about the uh, necessary necessary things okay necessary things all right talked about that and we I want to talk today about Needful. Needful things. Okay. Very important for everybody to begin to focus on these necessary things and as it was said of Mary, the needful things, and how that she chose that, and the Lord made it clear it wouldn't be taken from her. If you determine, shall we say, by the grace of God in your heart, your heart is not your pump here, your heart is your mind in the spirit, in the spiritual realm, in the Bible, that's what it's talking about, the seat of your thoughts and your intellect and your emotions, okay? Uh, this down here is pumping the blood for me, right? That's what's doing that. That's a natural thing. But we're speaking about spiritual things now, okay? Things that are eternal, in other words. Things that really count and really matter. And so as we look at these things, then we, uh, the writer said, you know, we didn't want to try to put anything on anybody except what was necessary, the necessary things. So uh, we're not going to try to... Uh, hang things on you, if you please, or demand things of you that are unnecessary, we're going to try to focus on the necessary things. And these things are also described as being needful things, needful things, okay? There are things that uh, you've got to have, okay, that it's needful, you've got to have it. It's another way of saying it, it's a must, okay? The word must is in the Bible, and uh we need to know, as Jesus said, there are some things that we must do. We've got to do it. If we're going to have eternal life, if we're going to spend all of eternity with Him, if you want to go to heaven, you can go to heaven. All right? You can go to heaven. And uh, if you choose not to go to heaven, 
that's your choice. All right, you have you have that power uh, to make a choice. Now I'd like to tell you something because of the Bible teaching, because of the weakness of our flesh, we could find ourselves not so much always making the choice. We could find that, that there's an evil spirit, and as Paul said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And as Paul also taught the apostle, he said, um, that which I, I would do, he said, I, I don't do it. And that which I don't want to do, I do it. You know, and so it's, uh, you find yourself um, that there's, as he said in another place, when I would do good, when I would do good, he said, evil is present with me. And uh, you have no doubt read or heard us preach how that uh, God gave a, uh, a description in the, in the Word of God about Joshua, uh, the, the uh, high priest, and how that the priest stood. And um, number one is garments were filthy, and they were unclean. And uh, there was a picture then drawn with words of Satan, how that he was standing there to resist the high priest. He was standing there to uh, keep him from doing the right thing and keep him enslaved in doing the wrong thing. And so the Bible, of course, teaches that the angel of the Lord rebuked Satan. And, and the Lord uh, came through and said, let's give uh, Joshua, the high priest, let's give him a change of clothes. Let's, let's uh, clean him up. Let's give him a, uh, a new look here. Isn't it nice when God gives you a change, gives you a new look? When God just takes away all the evil? When God, when God removes all the evil presence away from you and the things that make your mind cloudy and dark and desiring wrong things and thinking wrong things, going in the wrong places. We live in a world where for every uh, one that goes and gets married, uh, two are going to the same courthouse to get divorced. You know, we're living in a world that there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of things that uh, people start out with good intentions and then they wind up uh, in wrong difficulties and wrong situations and uh, but because there is an evil there is an evil force in the world they're having a lot of talk about uh, that maybe they should uh, take away certain things from the Americans and uh, but you know what you can take away uh, a lot of things I guess if you get the guys in Congress to agree to it uh, but if they do it then I'm simply saying that there's something that they're not able to take away and that's evil they're not able to get rid of the enemy, not with their words, not with their laws, not with their legislation, not with their uh, so-called good intentions. And, and, of course, at the bottom, it seems like in this world so much that the bottom line is the bottom line, that people are very concerned about money. They want to be rich. They chase after the things of this world. And, uh, but I'm trying to tell you that the Word of God is saying that there's something necessary, there's something needful here, okay? It's needful. And, and we want to realize and focus in on the eternal things. And we want to realize that as we make an attempt to do that, that there is going to be an opposition, okay? There's going to be, a, as Paul said, I, I was going to do good. I plan on doing it. Yeah. And then he said, but I found that there was something evil there that was resisting me, hindering me. There are a lot of things that people do and get involved with uh, that they don't have any problem doing it at all. Uh, there's no resistance against that. You can get involved with all kinds of false religion. The devil's happy to let you do it. He might even push you towards it a little bit. You know, he might make you feel that uh, that that's the uh, a good thing to do. 
get involved with all kinds of things. There are people that set themselves on fire. There are people that uh, uh, do all kinds. You know, there's a time of the year when people, um, they, they will, uh, you know, hang themselves on a cross. And they think that, that that's doing a lot of good, okay? Uh, there are people that go to a, a water's edge early on a, on a Sunday morning, and they think that that's a, that's, that's a really good thing. And, uh, but these are not, according to Scripture, these are not necessary things, and these are not needful things. There are things that people get involved with and make much ado about, uh, make a big thing about it. But to God, it's, it's no big deal. You know, it may not be wrong. Sometimes it's not wrong. You know, if you want to go to the water's edge and see the sun come up, have a big time. Okay, that's great. It's a pretty sight. But is it needful for salvation? No, it's not needful for salvation. And, and this, is, this is common among people. They get uh, human ideas. And, uh, and, and consequently, in one place it said that Jesus told them when they came up with a big idea and they thought they were going to catch him and they thought that they were going to get him to make a mistake, and uh, how crazy that was to even begin to think that way. But that's what they thought. And uh, Jesus told them, he said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures. And uh, people just make up things as they go along. And the other places said, you, you Pharisees, he said, you're all involved with the washing of the hands and the cups and the pots. You know, he said, these things, okay, you ought to do. But he said, you ought not to leave the other undone. He said, you need to go about some other things that are more necessary things that are needful, okay? And he said, you don't want to overlook those things. You don't want to uh, be guilty of the uh, sin of omission. Or, and if you're told to do something, that's a commission. But then there is, there is the other, okay? And you can commit a sin of omission. You can just go overlook it or go past it or ignore it. Kind of like I do with stop signs sometimes. I just kind of roll through them. That's not a good thing, is it? Okay. So we just have to be careful that we don't, we, somebody said, that's how I roll. Well, if you're rolling past God's commandments, you're rolling wrong. <laughs> you don't want to roll past the things that are needful. You don't want to just ignore those things. They're there. As one place said, these things are for an admonition or they're for a warning. They're there to get your attention and to help you so that you will not go in the wrong direction, that you will not overlook or omit the weightier things. God has some things that are weightier. Okay, there are some things that people do that, that, that are right in the book, and that's good that they do those things, but they're not the weightier things. God's looking at things that are the more important things, okay? Let's look at the uh, gospel according to Luke again, but let's look a little earlier. Chapter 1, shall we? Take a little peek there this morning, and uh, we're glad for each and every one of you that are here. Very nice to have you with us. In Luke chapter 1, and, you know, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and uh, it's all profitable for us. It'll help us. And uh, Luke said in verse 1 of chapter 1, he said, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now, Paul later on was inspired to teach any. He spent 15 verses teaching on a certain subject. And as he was teaching on that subject, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as he was teaching on that subject, he came to the next verse that he was inspired to write and, uh, and, and speak out. And he said, if, if anybody doesn't think this way and they think another way, he said, then as the church, he said, we have no such custom. 
we have no, uh, we're not adhering to that, or we don't believe that way, or we're not involved with that, okay? This is who we are, this is what we do. And as Luke said, this is the things that are most surely believed among us. And then you have in the book of Jude, which is the last little book before, powerful book, before the start of the book of Revelation. And you will read in verse 3 where he said, uh, it was needful for me to write to you, needful for me to exhort you, that we would earnestly contend for the faith. You know, the faith, that's the doctrine. That's what that's saying, okay? That that's what's being challenged worldwide right now. And it always has been. It's the same old devil, okay? Same old stood at the right hand of the, of the high priest and resisting him, resisting him, resisting him. And I'm telling you, there is a force that is out there to keep you from living for God, for getting started for God, for getting going in the right direction, for keeping you from getting your mind focusing on the necessary things, okay? There's a lot of things you can do in life and a lot of things you can accomplish, but in God's mind, they're not necessary. did not it say very plainly that uh, all the nations of the world are seeking after, uh, you know, many different things? And he said, um, and your heavenly Father knows about what you have need of. He knows that you need food, shelter, and clothing. He knows that, okay? And so you don't have to get all befuddled and bothered about that. If you'll put God first, then God's going to see to all these things that they're added to you, that he'll take care of it. If you ignore this or give up that or, or put that off because you're putting God in the more weighty and necessary and needful things first, then God's going to see to those more necessary things and those needful things. And at the same time, God's going to, he said there's not going to be a sparrow, a little bird is going to fall to the ground But what your heavenly father knows about it. And he said, of how much more value are you than that little bird, okay? So you have to start, it's important for you to start believing that God loves you. Have faith in the fact that God loves you. And as you uh, focus your mind down a little bit here and you start saying, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give all my time and all my attention and all my energy to, uh, or even all my intelligence and creativity. I'm not going to give it to a whole lot of different things that I've been chasing after. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be like those nine lepers that, you know, they, Jesus healed ten of them and only one came back to thank him. And he, where's the other nine? Well, they were all chasing after their own ambitions and their own pursuits because, you know, now they felt like their sin was gone and their cancer was gone, their leprosy was gone, and, and they were just going off running crazy in all kinds of directions. But they forgot the one that made that possible, the one that made that possible. And they didn't come back and they didn't thank him. They didn't serve him, you know. And for God to work in your life and deliver you from the evil that had been hindering you in, in your walk in life, and trying to help you here and did help you, and then you're going to run after every kind of thing, and, and, and all of a sudden God drops to the last place in the priority list, I don't think that's going to work. You've got to get in your mind, this is the necessary thing. This is what counts. If it hadn't have been for him, then there, I wouldn't be able to put one foot in front of another. I wouldn't be able to have anything going here. So let's, let's realize uh, what's important here this morning. Let's focus in on the necessary and the needful. And remember, the Lord said that this particular woman said she has chosen this needful thing and said it's not going to be taken from her. You know, when God declares that something's not going to be moved, it's not going to be moved. When God says nothing's, something's not going to be taken from somebody, then it's not going to be taken. It all depends on what God's will is and what God is saying. But I can tell you there is something that's very positive. You can, uh, a lot of people want to hide behind that. They want to say, well, you know, I don't know if it's God's will or not. You know, well, let me help you with God's will. God's will is for you to repent. 
God's will is for you to be baptized in Jesus' name. God's will is for you to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He is not willing that any should perish. Okay? But that all should come. His will is for you to come to repentance, for you to come to baptism in Jesus' name, for you to come to receiving the Holy Ghost, the salvation of God. That's plain in the Scripture. That's, 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 that's it. I mean, there's no fudging about that. There should be no, somebody said, that's private interpretation. Well, we don't believe in a private interpretation. The Scripture teaches us that God has His way. He's what He has said. And what he has said is right. And we don't have to uh, get all befuddled about what the interpretation of it is. It's in the scripture. It's there. It's plain for you to understand if you'll have an honest heart about it, if you'll seek after it, if you'll focus on it. And there's many things, like I said, that you can get involved with. But the, the, the church, the, the apostles, they said it's the necessary thing. We're not going to try to hang all these other things on you and, and cloud the issue here. Okay? Um, you know, they talk in computer language about the iCloud. Well, I've had the iCloud for a long time. It was very cloudy. <laughs> I'm glad that the Lord helped my cloud out. I'm glad. He, they even say if you're having a problem uh, with your, uh, as you get a little older and you get into some problems, maybe along the lines of your mind not being as quick and sharp, your memory is so on, so on and so, uh, so on and so forth, and they'll say that you, um, you, you get brain fog and... Uh, I guess I'll confess to brain fog. I don't know. Just uh, life gets very busy. And, you know, you have to sift through some things and you have to t put things in priority. You've got to tell yourself, as, one, as it is written today, today is a day of salvation. Now, that today represents the period of time in which we are living. That's what the writer was saying. Okay? He wasn't talking about this 24 hours, and, th and though that's a part of it. But what he was really saying was this period of time in which we are living. We're living in a time when God's grace is available. God is saying, I will shower my favor upon you. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I have prepared a body. I inhabited that body. That body went and gave its life on the cross and shed my blood for every living human being. And now you've got to make up your mind that that's a necessary thing. That I've got to, I've got to access that. I've got to, I've got to get myself to where I take advantage of what God has done. God did the most important thing. The most important thing He did it. He, he, and that's why Jesus, the flesh, was stretched out on that cross. And His final words were, "It is finished, finished." He went through everything He went through, and then it was finally finished. It was over with. It was accomplished. And now. Now is the salvation of God come. Now is the devil casted down. Now I'm going to set people free through this necessary, needful thing. I've done what needed to be done. How many times did they try to get Jesus to go to the left or go to the right or back up or get involved with other things? And he said, if I do that, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? How then shall anybody be saved? How then shall they escape the damnation of hell? I've got to do what's got to be done. Well, there's no less set of us. we got to do what we got to do do got to do the necessary thing the necessary thing one man's whole idea about things was to uh, uh, money and the writer looked the the apostle looked at him and said thy money perish with thee he said your heart's not right you're not thinking right and and there he was trying to help the man to think right Trying to help them to do the right thing. Another place there was a, there was two men, and one of them had a pretty good, important position in the town. And the apostle Paul had come to him and began. The man said he wanted to know 
about the faith. That's needful for me to write to you about this common salvation. Needful for me to tell you about this, that you might earnestly contend, that you might gird up the loins or the power of your mind, and that you might begin to focus on what's necessary and what's needful. And, and in so doing, uh, this man was interested, and he wanted to hear about the faith. He wanted to be taught the truth. And this other guy was hindering. This other guy was trying to get him to go in a different, come on, let's go do this, or let's go do that, or let's, you know, trying to get him to get away from it. And the Apostle Paul had to deal with that man and ask him, how long are you going to pervert the right ways of the Lord? You know, and he had to deal with that man. So in, in an attempt to get to the other person that wanted to know, there's, there's an evil force, an evil presence, and, and, and it, it doesn't come up and, and uh, introduce it to, hi, I'm the devil, I'm evil. You know, he doesn't do that. He's a lot more cunning than that. He's a lot more skillful than that. He's a lot more uh, of a, a trickster than that, okay? And he gets people uh, to be very uh, uh, distracted and to think that, oh, this is a good thing, and they go get all involved, okay, over their head involved in so many things. And they never get, if you please, to the cross of Calvary. They never get to this great salvation. And uh, it, I'm telling you, you can feel like, well, I'm, I'm a free moral agent. I can make my choice. Well, yes, you can, and I'll acknowledge that to you. But I'm warning you that there is an evil presence that helps you to make the wrong decision. <laughs> he'll help you make that wrong decision, but he'll never help you make the right decision. He's going to hinder you. In, in helping you make the wrong, he's hindering you from doing the right thing. Okay? And he's going to get you to chase after everything. Boy, if I could just have this, I could just have that. How is it written in the Bible about... Um, Jesus said I want, he wanted us, the church, to go out, the body of Christ, that is, not the church house. That'd look funny walking down the road, wouldn't it? The church is the body of Christ. It's believers. It's people, okay? And, uh, and as Jesus said, to go out and get them and bring people to my house, that it bring people to my church house, that it might be full, okay? And so in, in saying that and in, in, in instructing the church, the body of Christ, to do that, uh, the Bible made it clear that there were people who said they were too busy. There were people that said, well, I, I've got a, I got a farm. I've got to go see about my farm. And uh, another one said, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be getting married. I've got to go see about that. And another one said, well, you know, I've got this going on. I've got to go see about that. And so there's always going to be things that could present themselves as legitimate, as, as something they'll pose as a necessary thing. But in comparison, to the eternal things, they're not necessary. Just like when they tried to catch Jesus in his words and he said, you're making a mistake because their natural thinking got things all mixed up, all twisted up, and he had to clar clarify things and tell them you're not thinking right. And, you know, sometimes we're not thinking right. Sometimes we get, our, our human spirit gets all mixed up and we start chasing things that we feel like is so important. And you could go through, for an example, the Bible said that prayer was want to be made. And there was a group of them led by the Apostle Paul. And then you start reading, and you read about something happened, and then you read about something happened, you read about something happened, and it was a long time before they ever got around to that prayer. A lot of things that can come up in a day, and somehow you never get around to that prayer. A lot of things that hinder the old enemy. He'll try to, well, i got to mop that floor. Well, you probably do need, the floor probably does need a mopping, but, you know, when it's the, when you compare the two, if you're thinking spiritually, then you know that uh, we've got to pray. We've got to talk to God. 
we've got to keep this flesh under control. Well, I've got to go do this. I've got to go do that. I'm just going to have to let church go tonight. Well, you know, you know, you've got to get your values right, your value system right. The Bible talks about an appraisal, you know, and you want to be a, a good appraiser. Somebody brought a, uh, an, an article one time to a professional appraiser, and, and they thought it was worth so much money. And he looked at it, and he said, oh, it's about $1.98. You know, but uh, they just didn't know. Whereas, you know, you read about some people that go to yard sales and uh, consignment shops and they'll come home with a something uh, like one lady did not too long ago. And she went home with a, with a, a framed painting and um, got to taking it apart, was going to redo it. And when she took it apart, there was a painting behind the painting. And the painting behind the painting was actually a masterpiece that had been hidden and lost in an attic somewhere for God knows how long. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you've got a Rembrandt on your hands, you know, and somebody is able to evaluate that and look at it and say, oh, well, you know, I think you've got something here that's worth a couple million dollars. You know, pick yourself up off the floor, you know, and say, wow, you know, okay. So um, let's all go to the yard sale and find a masterpiece painting, okay? Thank you very much. Okay. We've got to finish building the building. Well, anyway, I'm just saying to you that there, there are things that are, uh, in, within our grasp, there are things that if we'll just realize what we got, if, as the writer said, there are things that are most surely believed among us. There's no doubt about this. There's a lot of doubt in the world. There's a lot of unbelief in this world. There's a lot of mixed up people in this world. But you can get a hold of that. You have an opportunity to get a hold of that in this period of time known as today. Today being the day of salvation. Today being this period of time when God's favor is still available. God is still I uh, got the door open, the window open, the windows of heaven, and, and he's trying to uh, pull you and draw you, send his church out to go find people, and, um, and don't let them, uh, he said, if you find this one's too busy now, he said, go deeper into your city, and go on the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come into my house, okay, get them to come on out to the house of God, get them to come to the church and, the, and get involved with the body of Christ, not religion, but salvation, you know, people will do religion because they're just shopping uh, for something that comforts their flesh, okay, and puts their conscience, that's that part of your mind that tells you right from wrong, that, that part that gets dug up and you know I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't be doing that. And so you go find a conscience soother, okay. Well, let me tell you, there is no conscience soother like God's salvation. God's salvation is eternal. The, all the other little human things are only for a little while. That's why you find people that they'll they'll stop drinking for about, a week, you know, if they're doing good. And then, you know, they fall right back into it. Or uh, drugs or whatever, you know. And they, they find themselves. They had they get a little conscience to them. They do a little something and they get stirred up for a few minutes. And But let me tell you something. You want what God said. He's able to save you to the uttermost. He's not going to leave one stone unturned, friend. He, When God saves you, he saves you. He delivers you. He absolutely chucks the devil out. He casts the devil out. And that you no longer are going to have a desire for those things. And when he takes the enemy out of your life, removes that resistance and that hindering force in your life, when he removes that, he replaces you in you something good. It's called the gift of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't leave you with an emptiness. He fills you with his love, fills you with his Holy Spirit. People talk about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, and they don't know what they're talking about. The love of God is the Holy Ghost. It's the gift of God's love. He's going to fill you with his power. It's not human love. It's not human concept. It's not human idea. That's why Jesus said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
That's the gift of His Holy Spirit. Okay, ghost is just an old Elizabethan word. And, and you know, they can, you can, it's funny what happens to languages. I, I um, was listening to somebody the other day, and I, have, um, I call her La, La Profesora down at the bank. She'll, she'll give me little Spanish lessons, you know. And she taught me how to say, Buen fin de semana. You know, have a nice weekend. And uh, little things. And so I was uh, listening to a lady the other day in the post office, and um, uh, Murta said something to her, and, and the lady said, she said, igual, and she walked out. And I busted out laughing because the word is igualmente, and, and, uh, and I'd never heard anybody say igual, you know. And when I, I just cracked up laughing, the lady turned around and looked at me, and then she started laughing. And, and that's languages for you, you know. There's, there's constant slang and shortcuts, and don't get Bruni started on, uh, on patois. Or we'll all be lost. We'll have no idea what he's talking about, okay. But I'm just, it's hard enough when he's trying to talk right. <laughs> I still can't follow him. I have to have somebody by and say, what did he say? Tell me that again. And, of course, Brother Small's not here this morning, but that's even worse. God bless Brother Small. He's from Barbados, and when he gets going, man, the only, thing, the only time I ever really understood what he said was when he, somebody stole his yams. And he was so upset that somebody went in his garden and took his yams. My yams, man, my yams, man. And, boy, I got that right. I, okay, the yams. I don't know who did that, Brother Small, but okay, I hear you. I understand. <laughs> he was not happy about somebody taking his yams out of his garden. But uh, sometimes he gets going, and I can't understand a word he's saying. Maybe it's my lack. Okay, I'll, I'll own up to it. But I'm telling you, languages, words, uh, they, they morph and they change over time. All right? Words that you're uh, so comfortable with and so familiar with today. You know, smog, you know. But there was a time when there, there was no such word. Okay? So there are changes that come upon society, and there are things that uh, change in this life. But let me tell you something. The things of God don't change. The things of God are most certainly believed among us. They're certain. They're certain. The Bible talked about uncertain riches. There are things that are not for certain. There are things that are constantly changing. I'm going to tell you what. You're going to wake up one day and you're going to find out, uh, like this, the people from Cyprus, or they call them Cypriots, uh, that they, they woke up one day here recently and they found out that uh, 60% of the money they had in the bank, whether checking or savings or some other way, uh, that it was taken by the government. And one day, one day, and this just happened, one day uh, there's a big shakeup going on in, the, in this world and through the banking system. And one day you're going to wake up and you're going to find out that there is no money. You're going to find out that it doesn't matter. Somebody said, I've been stuffing my mattress. I got mattress money. You're going to find out that it, you, you, forgive me, but you know, the only thing it'll be good for is toilet tissue. That's about it. It won't be good to buy anything. It won't be good to purchase anything. Not, it's going to be valueless, okay? going to be valueless. They're changing the system. Hear me now. They're changing the system, not just here in America, worldwide. They're changing the system, okay? I've always said it's like Monopoly. Somebody wants to own the whole board, all right? So they're changing the rules of the game, changing the rules of the game. And uh, to them, to the devil, it is just a game. And uh, he's, his game, though, is to destroy lives. He wants everybody to be with him for all of eternity. And believe me, you don't want to be with him. You don't want to be where he's going to be. And Jesus said, how then shall you escape? If you ignore the necessary and the needful things, how then shall you escape the fiery damnation of hell? How are you going to do that? Okay. The only way is through Acts 2.38. That's, that's your scripture. I mean, there's plenty of scripture. I could give you many, many scriptures. But I'll say it this way, the most needful scripture the most needful scripture is Acts chapter 2, 
and verse 38. If you will obey that chapter and verse in your Bible, then I'm telling you things are going to be okay. All right? There's a lot of, there, there are other things in the Bible, okay? And we will teach you those things, but they pale in importance to Acts 2.38. Okay? It all begins with that. I had a man come here one time, and he wanted to know why I wasn't teaching people uh, that Christmas was no good, or Easter was no good, or this was no good, or that was no good. It's all what the history of it was, and where it came from, and all this garbage, you know? And, um, you know, I, I like Christmas. I like getting those gifts, though, Gi giving those gifts. I, I, I like that. And I'm happy for, uh, nothing wrong with that, you know? I, somebody brought me a bunch of gifts this morning. They're trying to make me fat, brought me all kinds of food. It was very nice of them, okay? Um, but uh, what I'm saying is, is that I told this guy, I said, hey, um, I noticed that your wife is with child. And uh, I said, yeah, but she's going to have a baby. I said, okay. I said, so tell me something. I said, have you, um, have you required all these things you're talking about of that baby? Oh, I said, baby, not here yet. I said, exactly. I said, we must be born again. And until we get born again, until we come into the body of Christ, then those things don't need to be taught. But this is what gets me into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you'll obey this, this is how you're born again of water and spirit. If you'll obey that, he said, then you can see and enter into my kingdom. But he said, if you don't do that, you cannot see or enter into my kingdom. Right? And so you know, I'm saying there are people going around and they got all kinds of ideas and Jesus is looking at him and saying, you're, you're error, you're in error, you're making a mistake. This is not what I'm teaching. This is not what I'm showing you in my word. Okay? So we've got to come to the necessary things. We've got to come to the things that are most surely believed by the church. The, Jesus gave it to the apostles, and the apostles gave it to everybody else. And here we are 2,000 years down the road, and we're serving a God who said, I change not. God does not change. Okay? Does not change. And the writer said, was inspired by God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And the writer was inspired to write and say, it was needful for me to get this message across to you. And you must earnestly contend, okay? That, that doesn't mean you go about it any old way and just drag around about it. You know? No, it's not what it means. Earnestly contend means that you, in an effectual and powerful way, that you get with it is, is a nice way of saying it. You get with it. You gird up the loins of your mind. You gird up the power of your mind. You put your mind to it. If you want to do something, you'll do it. You'll do it. You might have two cents in your in your pocket, but man, if you want to go to Bush Garden somehow, you'll figure out how to go. You know, I used to have all these guys when they was younger, and you couldn't get them out of the bed for nothing. You could send a, a 14 foot alligator in that bed, and they don't move. You know, and I'd get them out there rolling over. That's all it meant. But if you say we're going to Bush Gardens tomorrow, they get so stirred up they don't even go to sleep. And that's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Many a time they stayed up all night long. That's it. They were, they were so keyed up about going. And I'm saying to you, if you get stirred up enough, nothing's going to keep you from obeying the book and the things that are most surely believable. Let's get fired up about the necessary things. Let's get fired up about the needful things. Let's get about, as, as Jesus said, wist ye not that I must be about my father's business. Luke 2.49. I must be about the Father's business, okay? The Father is a spirit. It's a spiritual business. Don't get a picture of an old man, okay, with long white hair and a long white beard and a cane, and he's hobbling around. You know, that is not God. That's human thinking. 
okay? And, and the artists, you know, they want to draw these effeminate pictures and call it Jesus with the long blonde hair, you know. I don't think so. I'm telling you, he didn't look like that. All them pictures, he looked real good, didn't he? I know all you girls thought he was Brad Pitt or somebody, okay? Or something like that or somebody that you get all chasing after crazy-like silly things, okay? But uh, the Bible said when you saw him, there was no beauty that you would desire. It's not about physical things. It's not about natural things. It never was, okay? When God chose to come in the flesh, when the Spirit chose to inhabit a body to the fullness, He chose, He made, He created a body that was not physically beautiful, okay? It, it was, your faith was not to rest in those things, was not to be invested in that kind of a thing. Right? You got people that every day, they're trying to figure out how to be more physically beautiful. You know, the guys are pumping iron and one, you know, and, all, and the ladies are going to the spa or whatever, you know. And I'm not telling you that I'm uh, any of that in moderation is wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying, though, that's what their mind is on all the time. Right? You watch people. They get a phone. Well, you gotta you got to put the phone in a certain place. You know, it's got to be a certain way. You know? And you got to have the earbuds and the wires got to stick out. It's got to show. There's just certain looks. And people, people are very particular about these things, all right? But none of those things are going to help us in eternity. When it, when it comes time to die, and everybody's going to die, all right? When it comes time to die, uh, the earbuds aren't going to save you. And how you position the phone or the iPod is not going to save you, okay? Or what brand you got and all of that and how many gigs you got, it's not going to save you. Not going to help at all. And you're not going to care either. You know. And people that have, and I've seen them, uh, have multiplied millions of dollars. Can't do them any good when they've got cancer of the pancreas. And they give you three months to live. You know? Not going to do, all that money's not going to do any good. And if you want an example of that, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple. Okay? That's what he died of. Pancreas. Pancreatic cancer. I'm not knocking him or saying anything bad. I'm just telling you that's a fact. That's a fact, okay? Here's a guy that could do all the things that he did, started in a garage, and all the things that he did and invented and the knowledge that he had. Uh, but when it came time and he was sick unto death, all of, his, all of his inventions, all of his money, all of his ideas, all the people that worked in his corporation, they couldn't do anything, not a thing, not a thing. And he died. And, there's, and, of course, the world is filled with people who die, right? And it is appointed unto man once to die. But you know what? God is saying, why will you die? Live. I want you to live for me. I want you to, I want you to be a light. I want you to be a, a help to the work of God. I want you to earnestly contend for the faith, for the belief, for the truth, for what's most surely believed among us. Teach them the necessary things. Live the needful things. Let people see what's most important to you, all right? Get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't get your face in a mug book. All right? Mug shot. Better that you would get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if, you're, if, you're, if you've had a mug shot, no problem. Because God will beautify the meek with salvation. Okay? So he'll make you pretty. God will do that. He'll give you a beautiful salvation. God will put beauty in your life. He'll put happiness in your life. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, so let's focus. Let's focus on the 
on these necessary, these needful things. And it starts with right here, Acts 2.38. Okay, you get your Bible, you learn Acts 2.38. And I don't care who says what. You put your finger right on it and you read it for yourself. All right, you believe it for yourself. Let's stand together. God love your heart. We're glad you're here today. Man, we love and appreciate each and every one of you. Our God is a great God. He's a wonderful God. He wants to show you the things that are necessary, things that are right, things that count. If you want to, if you get down to the airport and you want to fly to a certain country and you discover that you don't have a passport, you're not going anywhere. Because that you have to have that that paperwork to go to one of those countries. Okay, well, if you're going to go to heaven, you're not going to get there by accident. You're not going to get there on your good looks. Okay, you're not going to get there because you have a bank full of money. Okay, you're not going to get there because you have an, an iPhone or a, uh, an iPad or whatever. You're not. It's not going to get you there. You're going to have to have your your uh, heavenly passport. You're going to have to have what God said is necessary. All right? And you can have it. He's made it away. He's made a way for you. And believe me, he's calling you and he's drawing on you and he's pulling you and he's tugging at you. And he's trying to stir up your mind to realize what's important. It makes everything else work right in your life. Everybody said hallelujah. Let's give God a big hand, shall we? All right. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you. Oh, 